0: In today's podcast, we talk about the term cry it out. Admittedly, I've used this term for years on my blog, and I explain in the podcast why I've done so. I am also, however, not going to use it anymore. Cry it out is a pejorative term. It's not helpful, it's not descriptive, and it's not well understood. So, we're going to talk about where this term has come from, why it's not helping us as parents and hopefully what terms we can use instead moving forward to really elevate our dialogue around sleep and infants to a more productive and helpful place. Join us. Well, hi, this is Alexis Dubief and Melissa Brander, and we're here with the Precious Little Sleep podcast. Hey, Melissa. Hey, Alexis. So today we're going to dig in a little bit into cry it out or... CIO, as it's known in parenting circles, and specifically, I want to kind of help us get our heads around um, what it means, where it came from, and why it's not particularly a useful term for us in terms of uh, having a discourse with other parents or having a common understanding, why it's so confusing and why it's so unhelpful, and what is a better term that I'm really hoping uh, we can kind of universally embrace moving forward.
1: Yeah, it's a term with a lot of baggage and the difficult part is that we can't even like uh, uh on the same get on the same level so that we can even unpack all the baggage. So hopefully today we can get on the same page about it.
0: Yeah, it's it's a term with a lot of baggage. Good. Well said. So when we decided we wanted to talk about this, I was curious to know where the term cried out came from and uh if we believe wikipedia and i actually kind of do on this one um it came from a book written in 1894 called the care and feeding of children in fact the entire book is available online and i will uh share a link in the show notes on the website if you want to go take a look at it yourself it's actually worth looking at because you know here we have like this like you know 140 year old book Um, a lot of the things apply and a lot are just kind of crazy pants
1: Yeah, if you're interested in history at all, it's a really fascinating look to see, like, what was the advice then compared to what was the advice now? What has stayed the same? What have we just completely been like? That's bogus. So,
0: you know, if you ever doubted how lucky we are to live in the modern era, the section on kissing infants um, (laughs) is an eye opener. It says, are there any valid objections to kissing infants? And it says, there are many serious objections, including the spread of tuberculosis and diphtheria, among other grave diseases. So, <laughs> huzzah for modern science. We are happily yeah. kissing infants without fear of diphtheria tuberculosis.
1: Yeah, thanks for vaccine, because diphtheria Woo! is one of the things that we vaccinate against now. So, uh,
0: Yes, huzzah. So, um, yeah. So, interestingly enough, so... You know, presumably this term we can say with some degree of confidence has been around for over 100 years. Um, And, um, you know, in that time, as far as I can tell, there's been no, you know, cohesive definition for for what it really refers to. Um, Depending on who I've been talking to or emailing with, uh, I've heard the term cried out be referred to as, you know, put your newborn in their crib for 12 hours and ignore them no matter what. Um... You know, never pick up your child because they'll learn that crying is a way to manipulate you. Cry it out is fervorizing. Cry it out is neglect and abuse and leads to a lifetime of, you know, attachment disorders and an inability to have meaningful you know, uh, relationships as adults. Um, it's a technique to teach your child learned helplessness uh, because they'll learn they can't count on you. It's the opposite of attachment
1: parenting. Uh, I don't know. Are there any other things? I was just thinking about how many different, um, like, books have done some various method of cried out. Like, you said Ferber, but then there's also, like, Babywise and everything. And these are, like, Ferber and Babywise are, like, totally different. But they all get lumped together as if they're the same thing and they all mean the same thing but when you look at the nuances and everything out there they're different but that's kind of what we say when we say that cried out um, has no common definition as you can see right here like I'm sure you listening to this podcast right now and then if we polled five separate people also listening to this podcast they all would probably have different ideas unless they've read your stuff Alexis then they know what it is
0: (laughs) yeah no because I sort of have my own kind of you know this is what I'm talking about thing, but, um, it definitely is all over the place. Um, and even people who email me are like, oh, I read your website and I had this question, you know, I, I had diarrhea last week and I couldn't pick up my child for 10 minutes when I was in the bathroom and they cried. Was that cried out? And I'm like, uh, no, that's, yeah. well, that's not what that is. <laughs> that's,
1: yeah. I think that's being like a human
0: being and, uh, yeah. you
1: know, <laughs> yeah, parents have basic needs too.
0: Yeah. Life, life happens. Um, so we had this book, you know, um, 100, and, you know, 140 some years ago, and then, as far as I can tell, the term "cried out" wasn't really uh, used again. I can't promise that, but it doesn't seem to be used again until Ferber comes along with his, you know, seminal book on on baby sleep called "Solve Your Child's Sleep Problems." Uh, and that was actually initially printed in 1985, so you know, 30 years ago. And he doesn't actually talk about cried out. He 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 refers to his method as the progressive waiting approach. Um, you know, focusing on the number of minutes until you come back to check on your child. Uh, however, you know, parents label this cried out or quote unquote fervorizing. And I always feel really bad for Ferber because he he literally has written the the, the definitive book on. Infant and child sleep issues, and it really is an enormously broad and well-researched book uh, on all sorts of, you know, fairly uncommon but but you know, actual sleep issues around you know narcolepsy and insomnia and you know sleep phase disorders. So he writes writes this amazing resource and there's like one page on this progressive waiting approach and that's what he's forever known as. Yeah,
1: I feel like Forever is probably like the most misunderstood sleep guy out there, which is a shame because he seems like so straightforward but like it's one of those things that the internet has kind of just picked up with and ran as if it was their own and if the internet owned that i remember like a year or so ago seeing like this article that got shared everywhere and the headline was like ferber recants and then you read the article and it's like he didn't recant anything at all what are you doing new major news organization that i won't name with your clickbaity headlines
0: i know i know well, I I interviewed a pediatric sleep researcher at Stanford um, two years ago, and he actually was friends with Ferber, and he said, you know, he's like the nicest guy. He was the director of the Boston Children's Pediatric Hospital for like many years, and now he's retired. So, you know, best of luck to you, Dr. Ferber, in your journey, and we appreciate what you did, even if you got saddled with the term ferberizing for your whole life. Yeah,
1: <laughs> probably after after his life, too, is never going to die.
0: Yeah, that's oh, that's that's going to be around for generations to come, I'm sure. So that was 1985, and, uh, and then in 1992, so seven years later, Sears comes along with the baby book, and the baby book is not specifically a sleep book, but it talks about sleep, and, it, and this is the first time I've been able to find a book that uses the term, you know, cry it out. He does actually use it in the book, and there is an index item called cry it out, but he actually includes in the quote, uh, a quote in this book called, we purposely omit what we call the harden your heart method. So instead of using cried out, he calls it the harden your heart method. Like, who who wants that?
1: <laughs> yeah, all of Sears is basically like this. Um, We could do an entire episode just on Sears. Yeah, Maybe I we should at will, some point. Yeah, like, I, 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 like, I could totally, alive. I could totally, I totally, forever I could talk on him. Well, not forever. I'd get bored. But um, he, this is like, his deal is always making language that Makes you feel guilty if you consider the alternative. Like, using when you say harden your heart method, like, that's definitely meant to play on your emotions. And that's kind of what a lot of, um, anti cry it out people do. Um, not to like sidetrack us too, too much, but just to think about, like, without a common definition, it's that much easier for other people to come in and tell us how we should feel about something. So.
0: Yeah, no, the harden your heart method, that's a, that's pretty, pretty negative. You know, nobody, yeah. nobody's signing up for the harden your heart. No one's like, right. hey, that sounds great. I'd like to learn more about this. Yeah. Method you're, you yeah, have, I
1: need a heart, your... in, heart in my heart. Yeah, I want to become like the Grinch Alexis. I just need a smaller <laughs> heart. <laughs> my heart so... is too big. Yeah. I
0: would like to shrink it. I would like to uh, anti-Grinch it. Yes. I want to shrink it back down to its original walnut Grinch. size. Yes. Um. Yeah, so that's... Uh, so the term cried out, you know, has a lot of baggage. Sears, Sears alludes to it as the harden your heart method. Um, I'm always surprised, you know, and I get so many emails and comments to this extent talking about how many baby groups there are, you know, parenting groups that will ban you for simply even using the term, you know? Like if you even hint that you're considering this, they're, you know, they ban you from the group or shut you down or delete your comment because that's how horrifying the term is too
1: many people yeah i've definitely i i'm in all the facebook groups it's a really big problem of mine i'm in so many facebook groups don't judge me podcast listeners and um there are definitely groups out there that will do this and it's really a shame because like sometimes you see somebody who's really struggling and you want to uh, offer them options but if you offered them options then you're gonna have to give up the group which you might like a lot and you might go to for other reasons or other resources and um so i mean i always if i if i'm like thinking about talking about cry it out i'm like okay this person they might need some advice on it but i'm like i better scroll and check which group i'm in and check the rules because i don't want to be banned
0: yeah i mean you 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 once alluded to cry it out as as it's like the voldemort of parenting yeah we cannot speak its name you know it's like yeah that thing we shall never speak of
1: i know um, and that's giving it way too much power like it's yeah. just a tool when used properly that can help you and your family sleep, but we've elevated it to this status where it's this huge thing that's totally taboo. And then, like you know, for a long time after I did cry it out with my older son, I didn't tell anybody because I was like, if I tell people, they're gonna judge me. Like yeah. I was, I was afraid of being judged, and I mean, I'm, I'm still afraid of being judged but i'm just like i am trying to enter the i don't care if you judge me stage of my life so
0: yeah no i i took me years to even write about it because i'm on the internet and i don't need to get flamed from strangers yeah Yeah, i don't don't need that in my life
1: (laughs) stressful even if you're like i have a thick skin and i don't care anymore nobody still likes that it's like uh the golden rule goes out the window when it goes to parenting like we teach our kids do unto others as we is you want done unto you, but then we turn around and do unto other parents like we would never want done unto us. So,
0: no, absolutely. Although I will say, what I've learned is that um, I can't, I can't live my life in fear, and I can't yes. parent from fear.
1: Yes, totally.
0: And so I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna call it Voldemort. Like, let's just call yes. it what it is. Yes. But let's get back to cried out. So, you know, one of the issues that we've touched on, which is a huge point of frustration for me, you know, in terms of trying to help generate dialogue with, with large groups of people around this is that it lacks a common definition. Um, and you've seen this too, Melissa, right? Like, people oh, yeah. are like, oh, my newborn cried for five minutes in the crib. I feel so bad. We did cry it out. And I'm like, well, did your newborn fall asleep on their own? I mean, if seriously, like, yeah. if five minutes of tears helped your child master a new skill, this, why are we viewing this negatively? That's a fabulous success. That is a triumph. You should be celebrating this. This is huge.
1: But instead, they're like,
0: oh, I think we accidentally cried out. And
1: Yeah, it's I'm like, definitely... i like, no, that's not... No, (laughs) it's definitely a a tough thing. I mean, when I when I come across someone and they're like, either struggling with cry it out, or they're against cry it out. I always try and find out like, first of all, what do you think cry it out is? What is it that you're doing? Or what is it that you're against? Because sometimes people are against this idea that's not even like a thing. Like, People aren't actually doing it that way. And so, but it's, it's, it gets this weird life of its own. And then people have all these ideas about what it is and it doesn't have to look like what all their ideas are.
0: Yeah. But they they'll look at any tears and say, oh, that's cried out. So if you're a six month old cries in the car as you drive to the grocery store, that's cried out. If you're, um you know, eight month old falls asleep on their own at bedtime, but wakes up at some point in the middle of the night and complains about it for five minutes, that's cried out. If your, are um, you know, your two year old doesn't want to take a nap and yells at you, that's cried out. Like, so there's just like all these very kind of scenarios under which people are like describing, you know, cried out. I'm like, well, no, that's just kids complaining about things they don't like because they don't like them. And without words, their way of complaining about things is to cry. That's, you know, that's just what they're doing. Okay.
1: There's definitely this idea out there that all crying can and must be fixed. But Mm. the thing is, first of all, that's not realistic. You can't always fix why they're crying. If your kid has colic or even if they're just stubborn. Like, sometimes there is no way to fix the crying. And sometimes you shouldn't always fix the crying if fixing the crying would be worse for them than letting them cry sometimes they're going to cry it's just life it's like if you went to work and your boss was always happy with you but you were a terrible worker you wouldn't benefit and the the company wouldn't benefit and nobody benefits in that scenario where your boss is just like well the employee is happy so we just can't Tell them that they're doing a terrible job and they need to fix this, this and this because then they would be unhappy. Like nobody yeah. would expect the boss to work that way. But we've set up this weird expectation with our kids where if something is hard for them or if there's tears involved, then that must mean it's bad for them. But that's not that's not you know, reasonable. I, I like
0: to think of it as, you know, tears mark the struggle. Some things are hard. In fact, most of the great things we as human beings will do in our lives are the hard things that we do. And hard things for a baby means tears. It's new things are hard. Unfamiliar things are hard. You know, and this is true for toddlers, younger kids, older kids, and adults. Things are hard. When you're a baby, you have no way of expressing your frustration with a new hard thing, so you cry about it. Mm -hmm. So tears mark the struggle, and that's okay. And one of the things I like to kind of bring people back to is consider the fact that your child is capable of incredible things. They are doing incredible things and learning new things and showing you that they are growing and they are capable of things they weren't capable a month ago or even a week ago all the time,
1: Yeah, especially
0: over the first year. The development is unbelievable in terms of their ability to acquire new skills successfully. Constantly, they're doing this. Yeah. And yet there's this one area where we think they are completely incapable. Like there's no way they can do this. They absolutely can do this. Yeah,
1: I think I even, I can like, I can see that with one of my kids is the kind of kid that gets frustrated at things very easily if it, if he doesn't get it perfectly the first time and so he'll get really frustrated and I can see that he's frustrated and like what he would like me to do is to tell him just to stop doing it but I can see that he's like right on the edge of being able to do it and if he just sticks it with there then like two minutes after he threw this fit over being so frustrated that he couldn't do it he's done it and then he's like the proudest kid ever and I remind him like you thought you couldn't do this but look you just did it.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So tears mark the frustration. So the whole mythology of all tears are bad and must be fixed by a parent is just not something I can get on board with. Yeah, Um, I can't either. I also think that sometimes the the baby sleep books have kind of set us up for this all tears are bad, um, you know, attitude. You know, one book is called The No Cry Sleep Solution, which you know it doesn't explicitly say all tears are bad, but the title suggests that you don't want tears, and thus you should be using these no cry solutions. Right, and What, what, what we back from like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times is that the the no cry solutions are not tear free. It's not like they're called no cry, but there's actually crying involved, and we have to kind of make peace with that. That that tears mark the struggle
1: and that's okay yeah Um, tears are a part of life and they're they're not bad they don't signal some some failure in your kid or some failure in yourself they are just what it is if you had a child who never cried it would be awesome but it would also be really freaky i think like if my kid really never ever cried i would like worry like what's wrong with my kid
0: honestly when my kids were toddlers and you know and even preschoolers you know if we could have like a four or five hour stretch without tears we were doing pretty good so the yeah. idea of like a no tear day was simply just not something that happened i mean yeah. it just was never happened i know
1: honestly, when my when kids are not crying then they're back. sick because they don't have energy to be fighting anything so yeah
0: right you know when they're asleep they don't cry i mean yeah. you know, but even my older kids cry sometimes but back to the whole like lack of definition, you know, another thing that sort of frustrated me um, because I've I've embraced the term cried out, at least on my blog, not because I like it. I don't. But because, you know, I have to write content that people who are searching for Google through Google can find on Google, which means I need to use the terms they're searching for. So I've been sort of saddled with cried out. Not because I like it, agree with it, or appreciate it, but because of the Google angle and being a blogger, I'm beholden to Google. So um, so I've kind of owned it and said, okay, that's, let's just call it that. But then there's other sort of kind of baby sleep paradigms who have explicitly said, oh, I'm not about cried out. But when I look at what they're espousing to parents, I'm like, yes, you are. Like, yeah. that's what that is. So again, I don't want to point fingers at anybody, but I, I might, <clears throat> sweet lady shuffle, um, some of these things are, it's cried out. It's cried out. The fact that you're in a chair or visiting every seven minutes or whatever it is doesn't mean your child's not going to be crying because they're doing something that's new and hard and they don't like change and they're going to cry about it.
1: Right. So, I think that's so frustrating to me when people come and say, oh, I didn't do cried out, but, you know, I sat by the side of the crib while my baby cried for an hour versus I maybe left my kid in the alone in there. And what I did was terrible. But what you did is something that should be celebrated as helping your child sleep better. And I don't understand. Like if it frustrates me that what I did is seen as terrible, whereas you can do the exact same thing. But somehow your presence being there magically makes it okay. And that is that. Or to accept
0: that we're all in a continuum of fostering independent sleep for our kids. Our kids are going to complain about it because they don't want to do things differently from how they've been doing it. And whatever method we're using are probably going to be marked with tears and are all okay. Yes. Like that's to get out of the, I did it the right way, you did it the wrong way and say, you no, know, no, we all did it the right thing if our child successfully learned a new skill and everyone's sleeping better.
1: That's Yes, and everyone's happy and healthy. Like we would never say like, take your two-day-old and just leave them in there to cry because 2 days old are legitimately hungry in the middle of the night. But your three-year-old is probably not hungry in the middle of the night. Your three-year-old doesn't need to be eating in the middle of the night. So there's definitely like nobody here is advocating anything that's unsafe for your child. It's all age-appropriate if you do it when they're the appropriate age like you can't take the advice for a two-year-old and apply it on to a two-day-old and vice versa so
0: well let's get back to the the two things we started with which was why the term cried out sucks so hard one is it's it, it's just too confusing there's no commonly understood accepted definition Uh, There are people who are doing cried out, but they claim it's not cried out. There are people who think that, you know, your child crying for five minutes while you're in the bathroom is cried out. You know, there's just such a range of misunderstandings around it that it's impossible to have kind of an informed dialogue with anybody because what they're talking about, what you're talking about, probably aren't the same thing. And the second is this Voldemort emotional baggage where cried out is basically child abuse and you can't admit to doing it because you know saying oh we used cried out is akin to saying oh we neglect our child and don't love them anymore yeah i keep trying
1: to work up the courage to like write a blog post about doing cried out on my blog and like my experience with it and like leaving the cult of ap and everything like that but i'm too afraid and that's silly because like i'm on this podcast talking to all of you but um (laughs) it's it's a It it feels very like vulnerable to admit that you do cried out and it shouldn't have to feel that way. It shouldn't be one of those things that other parents judge you for. But parents are judging. But
0: there's no there's no shame in my game. I'm like, yeah, I'm it. I'm the sleep training lady online. Here we go. Here it is. That's it. So but let's move on. So that so cried out, not particularly helpful term, not a positive term, not a useful or productive term to, to talk about. But I've had to, I've had to in the past because of being online in my relationship with Google and Google is the provider of traffic. So you have to kind of work within that construct. So as you know, Melissa-
1: Yes, now you are a big cat and you can come up with your own term.
0: I'm a big cat, yes. Uh, No, I mean, having a book means I don't have to worry about Google and I can create my own terms. And this was one of the terms that I felt needed to be creative Created because cried out is a terrible term, and I don't yes. want to deal with the baggage, and I don't want to deal with what everyone else thinks it means, and I want to describe what I'm talking about, and that required a term, and you know, Melissa, I, I tried so hard to come up with terms, I hired a creative writer to help me, very hard to do, and um,
1: but I like so what, what you eventually came up with. It's great. And I hope that everybody listening here is going to love it too, because it's, I, I hope
0: it sticks and becomes the new phrase we can use so that there is some clarity and less baggage. And the term is sleep learning independence program or slip.
1: I so know. you can slip into sleep. It's so clear. Like it is what it is. Sleep learning it's for independence. You're all good. Like everything is right there in the name, what it means. It's not ambiguous.
0: Thanks, Melissa. So what does it mean? So just to be clear, because I don't want people who have diarrhea whose child is crying to think that they're using SLIP because they're not. <laughs> what, what is SLIP? So SLIP means your child has to fall asleep without any unsuccessful sleep associations, which typically means no nursing to sleep, no rocking to sleep, no pacifier. They are in a safe sleep space and they are typically alone. That's what it means. It happens at bedtime. So as they fall asleep at bedtime, you can't, ro- you know, rock a child to sleep at bedtime and then try to, you know, use slip at two in the morning. Yeah, it's it not going to work bedtime. for you. Um, it, it's about uh, a mindful and intentional parenting strategy to establish healthy sleep habits um, and typically involves tears. Let's be honest. Change is hard. Tears mark the struggle. That's part of the process.
1: Yeah, so, I think the program part of the slip is like the least sexiest part of it, but it's yeah. also the most important part. Like it's it's a choice. It's a conscious choice and to go into it with a mindful plan. And I think that that plan is everything because if you don't go into it with a plan, if you just wing it, it's not going to go well for you.
0: Well, and absolutely, because you know what? You can do it wrong. And we know what happens when we do it wrong. Uh, lots of tears, lots of problems, Uh, sleep doesn't improve, Um, you know, everyone feels kind of defeated about it. So it is, in fact, a program. It's not just put your kid to bed, walk out the door, and you're done. There will be night wakings. You're going to have to figure out how to handle those. There will be night, for most kids, night feedings. A kid who was nursing six times a night yesterday is going to need to eat tonight, and we're going to have to figure out when and how to approach those feedings so that we can meet their need for food because they're legitimately hungry, but not reinforce their waking to eat five times a night. And these are a lot of details the book goes into, and I'm not trying to get too far down that path, but to say the term slip is the term I'm using in my book, it's the term I'm going to be using in my blog going forward, and it's a term I'm hoping parents will join me in embracing, because the term cried out is not functional, not clear, not well-defined, too much baggage. It's the parenting version of Voldemort. That should not be named. And I, I'm just kind of done with it. I'm just done with yeah. it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's time to retire it. It's had a good long run, but we can stop talking about it and move forward to terms that will help us to better help our children and to better communicate with each other.
0: Yeah. We're going to help our kids slip into sleep. Yeah. We're going to help our kids establish healthy sleep habits and they can complain about it Kids don't like everything. My kids are older. They don't like everything.
1: Yeah, there's never like going to be a point in anymore. life where your kids they are going go like to like the everything. They don't
0: the grocery store. They don't uh, like yeah. cleaning their bedrooms.
1: Yeah, you think uh, that someday your kids will just magically realize that you're right, but they never do. <laughs> they never do this is what i'm learning and i'm like whole newfound level of appreciation for my parents and how many times i thought they were wrong and how many times i now realize that they are right and so
0: yeah as a side note your kids never think you're cool like i'll do things i'm like hey look at this cool thing i did and
1: they're always like meh Yep, yep. or like Like, you know i thought i had some time before my kids would tell me to stop singing like i thought that wouldn't come until they're older no like my four-year-old he's like Stop singing, Mom! Don't sing. Even my two-year-old now doesn't. He's like, "Don't sing," and I'm like, just over here with my I'm singing face.
0: Oh, I spent three years working on a book, and I finally have a, a printout, like of, of its draft form. And I was like, "Hey guys, look at this!" And they were like, "Me!" I'm like, oh, "Thanks, thanks, kids! Yep. Thanks for support." Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, they come home with like a handprint where they put their hand in paint and stuck it on some paper, and I'm like. Oh, what beautiful art you made. <laughs> right.
1: That's all right. It's our job. It's not their job. So
0: I know, I know.
1: But sometimes I'm like,
0: kids, your mom's actually kind of cool. You yep. know, you could, you could appreciate that. I'm like slightly, yep. you know, everybody wants cooler a little more than average. average. <laughs>
1: yeah. Everybody wants appreciation.
0: All right. Thanks. All right. So just to wrap it up, cry it out. Bad term. Not helpful. Lots of baggage. Let's not use it anymore. Let's let it be in the past. It's 130 years old. It's it's time frame for usefulness has expired. Oh. Moving forward in the group, in the blog, in the book, in the podcast, we're going to be talking about slip. Yeah. How to slip in the sleep? Why to slip in the sleep? When to slip in the sleep? Um, and that's going to be our focus going forward. It's a better term. It's a newer term. It's my term. You just- Join me, people. Join need, me on Team
1: Slip. You just need to slip it into conversation. Oh, I need to see,
0: see what, what I did there. You see what I did there? I do. <laughs> 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 All right. Thanks for joining us, Melissa, and we'll be back again in two weeks with a new podcast.